Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the McCarthy Project live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we have been attacking life and sport since 2001. so much. because I was a basketball player growing up and I was pretty content with basketball. Um, and because of that, I didn't start volleyball till very late on, I think my junior year. Um, and I was lucky because I happened to be six, three and I was a pretty solid athlete. Um, so I was able to jump on the volleyball court and catch on to some things pretty quickly. And um, I, you know, got recognized by a couple of colleges and ended up accepting um, an offer to go to University of Tennessee, which was a a perfect fit for me. And I had a wonderful experience there as a student athlete. Um, but because I started so late, I was I was behind in the game. I didn't quite know the game as as much as some of the girls on my team that had been playing for ten years or you know something <laughs> like that. Um, so I had to definitely be okay with like the very harsh learning process that came with being still very new to the sport. Um, and that's one thing I'm pretty proud of. I think for my first two years, I was on this like accelerated, accelerated learning process and uh, playing against people that I think I could hang with athletically. But um, as far as the, the speed of the game, it was just a little overwhelming at, at the beginning, but I definitely think what got me, I ended up becoming an All-American by my senior year. And I think that what got me to that point was being willing to learn and to kind of play ugly for a while and stay positive through that process and just have this confidence knowing that it's going to get better. And, I'm, you know, I saw glimpses of, okay, I definitely can compete with these girls. I can be better than these girls whether it was my teammates I was competing with or the other team, um, the other teams we played in the SEC. Um, 
So I think that was something that really helped me kind of catch up to where I was able to achieve some personal and team goals by my senior year. You know, it's interesting you use the word training ugly. Um, it's one of those things today in the world of be trying to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. you use the word, I think it's a very, I, well, I'll tell you a little my history. is 16 years ago, we started our McCarthy project and uh, it was all about, we were the perfect thoughts. We were the perfect trainers. We did everything biomechanically down to your big toe and all this kind of stuff. But what mm-hmm. we didn't do was just allow the kids to play and learn on their own. And mm-hmm. what I hear is that you were actually able to do that at college. Yeah. And yeah. it's possible. You don't have to be perfect. Yes. That's right. That is right. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that I think that most, especially in volleyball with young ladies, um, this idea of being the perfect person, the perfect player, and that if I do it technically perfect, then I'll get recruited. Is actually, I think, a right. little bit of a, a myth, if that's, if that's such a thing as a myth in the recruiting game. Um, so. I think, you know, I see that in my players, too. Um, yes. I'm continuously learning about, you know, I've learned that all coaches, we all kind of know the same things, and it doesn't matter what gym you go into, you know, we're all kind of doing the same drills um, to some extent. But what makes great coaches is how we help develop the player um, mentally, especially and um, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, very curious and always learning about the mental aspect of coaching. And something I've been learning a lot about is growth mindset and um, how there are two phases to training, the learning phase. And that's, you know, when we go into the learning phase, we're breaking down things that we might not be that great at. And when you're in the learning phase, you have to kind of be more patient, kind of understanding, okay, I'm going to work on this. It's not going to be great, but maybe in a week from now it will be, maybe a month from now, maybe a year from now. And getting my players to understand that there's an element of patience that comes with that learning phase. And then uh, there's a performance phase, and typically when we're in games, we're more in the performance phase. So if I have an outside hitter, she's not great at uh, hitting line, or if I have a beach player that doesn't quite have a cut shot down, when we get into the game, I'm not going to be really saying, okay, I want you this whole game to just cut, you know, work on your cut shot. That's that's more of a time to, you know, to do what you're really strong at performance-wise and then maybe take a look after the game and see, you know what, I know I haven't been great at my cut shot and I didn't quite use it, so – when I go back to practice and get to, to some of those learning phase opportunities, I'm going to really focus on my cut so that maybe when I get back to an opportunity to perform, I can incorporate a, you know, a few more cut shots here or there. So that's been something that I'm uh, really like passionate about learning. And it's been, I think it's been helping me be a better coach and helping my players learn a lot quicker too. Well, it's interesting when you talk about, when is the appropriate time to learn and when is the appropriate time to perform? And it dovetails perfectly into preparing for the season, if you will, is that Mm -hmm. really, you know, and what I've seen is that if you are going to uh, go into the season and then say three days before the game, you're going to say, I'm going to start working on my cut shot. Well, sure, that's Mm -hmm. a good time. Um, But the games are usually for about competing and doing what it takes not necessarily right. thinking, like you say, I'm going to hit 14 cut shots in a row. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look at the – so we're going to go back to the preparing for the season, which is basically 
a season without a coach, what are the things mm-hmm. that you would have your young athletes focus on? I think when we're talking about beach volleyball, um, there 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 is nothing that trumps ball control. It's you must be able to pass, you must be able to set, and you know we say that a lot to our players and to you know some of the younger players we coach as well. Maybe not the college age players, but some of the club beach players that we coach. Um, a lot of them are coming from indoor, and setting is kind of overlooked in indoor. Like even, you know, even when I was an indoor player, I didn't value how much your setter really contributes to winning. But on the beach, it's a completely different level. Like indoor, your setter can help you win. That's for sure. But there's also five other players on the court. So if the setter is having an off game, you can still find ways to win. Um, In beach volleyball, and this was something that I had a really hard time with when I made the transition from indoor to beach personally is I was like, what do you mean? Just like, I'll just put the ball up and some, you know, you should be able to hit it. It, it doesn't really matter with uh, beach volleyball. There's so much technique involved and the better setter you are. I've found that more people want to play with you, especially as a blocker, because most blockers don't get served as much as the smaller defenders. Um, because of their sometimes their offensive limitations, but um, you'll see that. I mean, when I first started playing beach, I I was wondering why I'm six three, I'm touching well over ten feet, I could pass fine. Um, always had to work on that a little bit more, um, but I was a good passer, a good blocker. I was a great offensive player. Why aren't why aren't why isn't anyone asking me to play with them? Any of these really good defenders asking me to play for play with them so I can go far in the AVP? Well, yeah. it's because I wasn't a great setter. So I had to, when I realized that it became the number one thing that I focus on. And now I still play for fun and I'm a great setter because I realized how important that is. But at the time people could tell me that and people told me that constantly. And I was like, come on, how important is setting? Like, I need to get killed. I need to block the ball. So I would definitely say that every player needs to work on setting and passing. If you cannot do those things, beach is going to be uh, a game where you're very limited in your success if you can't do those things, and they're just so important. And the thing that's beautiful about what you mentioned is that there really is a all-around game that doesn't happen in the specialized indoor world, so to speak. And exactly. I think one of the most beautiful things about the world of beach is not only does the the coach have a little bit lesser role, you know what I mean, in a sense allows the, the athletes to have to think on for themselves, if you will, but the athletes mm-hmm. have to actually think for themselves, which I don't think happens as much, in, in at least in the indoor world. No, it doesn't. And you know what? Um, I think that has been one of the biggest benefits for for our program adding beach volleyball because I think in our club culture we've created this expectation where if you make a hitting error your coach is going to tell you exactly what you need to do to fix it and uh, a lot of times um, if you don't do that you know you'll hear from the parents not so much in the college um, realm, but more so in the club. Well, you know, she's not giving enough feedback on how to fix this or fix that. And it's like, 
sometimes you have to, at some point you have to be aware, have an awareness and trust the training that you have. And you got to learn to problem solve on your own. That's just life. So what a great skill we can give these kids in games. I coach a lot less in games. I've really focused more on strategy than like, uh, you know, a lot of technical feedback, but our girls, when we first started training them in beach, uh, for the college, uh, for Eckerd beach volleyball, some, a, a good portion of them were indoor players and they really had a hard time with the fact that we could not coach them except for in timeouts. And, um, they just like couldn't wrap their head around it. And, uh, and I think it's so beneficial. Like this has probably been one of the greatest things because they have to learn how to make adjustments. They have to learn how to see the game. They have to learn like how to, how to mentally make that change. They're not waiting on a coach to give the speech that makes them see the game, you know, see that they can win or, you know, so I think it's been great. Uh, I think I really hope that, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried to be honest because I'm starting to watch how club is changing the beach club side of things. So, you know, if you watch the FIVB, these are the best. These are all majority of the people that play in the FIVB. It's the world tour. They're Olympians and um, they don't have coaches. They don't have, they have, they have coaches filming for them up in the stands but they don't have coaches in their box giving them feedback yeah. during the game. These are the best players in the world. Uh, they're just not, coaches are not allowed in the box. And so what worries me is that I'm starting to see coaches um, at just like local tournaments standing on the sidelines and bringing that indoor culture of constant, constant feedback yeah. now out on the beach. And the reality is that's not realistic very few teams on the AVP even have coaches. Um, no teams on the FIVB have coaches. So uh, we're kind of bringing a misleading culture out to the beach. And a lot of, a lot of uh, the parents are starting to think, well, club has a coach at every tournament. Well, that's really not realistic. And it's going to actually, in the end, it's going to limit your child's development in this sport in five years or because my, my players, my beach club players are going to be playing on their own in tournaments. And then we might watch some film and evaluate and see where we can get better. And they're going to start learning the game on their own and therefore becoming better players. Whereas your girls are going to rely on feedback and there's going to come a point where there can't be a coach at their court. And my kids will probably end up beating them whether they're more talented or not. And that's the reality of it. So I am a little worried about that, but um, I am a firm believer in the philosophy of I, I think beach volleyball is incredible in that way that the culture really truly is that coaches, you know, the players have to do it on their own. They have to be smart. They have to make the adjustments. They have to coach themselves from a stra- strategic standpoint, from a technical standpoint. And I'm going to stand really firm on that, even though I see a lot of clubs now saying, well, if you pay this amount of money, um, not only will you get the coach to train you in practice, but we'll have a coach at, you know, three tournaments. Well, I, I'd rather sit and watch the film and talk about, well, why did you, you know, do this? Why did you make an adjustment here? So that's one thing that um, I, won't, I won't give in to. Because <laughs> the thing is that I have found in my experience 
is so many times as the coach, you can sit there and see what happened and what could have been another option. But what we mm-hmm. don't know is what the athlete was thinking. You know, maybe they were That's thinking right. or they saw something different. And so our correction actually confuses them. And that's, right. that's one of the beautiful things about that. I, I, it took me, I'm, I mean, only 14 years. I mean, I was a, a very quick learner uh, as a coach. But it was um, it was something that I finally got to the realization that I'm like, oh, these folks, they actually were thinking. They did see something, and so they did what they thought was best. Me that's coming right. in and telling them something different could have been exactly opposite. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's interesting when you get down to um, – the idea of, uh, you know, a creative thinker in the world of youth sports nowadays, because it is so far. And I mean, uh, and I think volleyball, you know, because we've all been to the tournaments and we've seen the coaches where they're constantly talking, constantly, like, Mm -hmm. like after every point, you know what I mean? Giving the feedback and you can just see, um, uh, you can see the girls because primarily in Minnesota, it's a, it's a girl sport, but, it's, they just shake their head and nod. They, I mean, they didn't hear. <laughs> they didn't yeah. understand what was said. They just nodded to say, okay, yeah, I'm with you. And then they went right yeah. on their way. And exactly. it's just fascinating. Yeah. Because, because now, and I think that's interesting when you kind of tie into your path is that if you would have waited upon the coach to give you the information, you probably would have not grown fast enough to even develop inside the four years of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the best the best coaches, if you watch them, say very little in even indoor, where the, where we are used to seeing coaches give a ton of feedback. Like I think about Penn State, Russ Rose, like he doesn't literally does not say a word. And look how many national championships he's won. And even um, you know Nebraska, John Cook doesn't say a word. Stanford just won the national championship, doesn't really say much. And I think there's some value there. We have this mindset where we can do this on our own. We can figure out how to come together and the strategic adjustments will come, but they're prepared and they know the team they're going against and they know what it's going to take individually and as a team for them to win that game. And so you see the best teams they're they're already doing it. Um, you go to a club, you go to a club match, indoor and you see that the coaches are nonstop talking, managing emotions, like, and I know they're younger, but I mean, this is a great time for them to learn the game and start figuring these things out. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is that I think honestly, and this is, this is again, a, a personal opinion is I just don't think enough young coaches realize how smart young people really are. They are not. Yes. They are smarter than we think. You know what I mean? And we're not giving them enough oh, yeah. credit to uh, teach them a strategy or something to do and allow them to work it out. You know what I mean? It's I agree. That, uh, doesn't happen. So in the last couple of minutes here, it seems like time always does fly too fast when we get to chatting about these areas. But <laughs> when you look at the idea of preparing for a season, now we're going to a little bit shorter Say we got two, three weeks, maybe you know, maybe six weeks, you know, of you know downtime. What would you say young people should do with that time? Well, I definitely think that um, you want to be playing as much as you can um, with with continuously working on the ball control, the passing, and setting. 
Um, I think you want to make sure that your legs are, you got your sand legs, as we say. Um, so you're doing conditioning drills. I think the, the, the conditioning drill should start pretty basic where you're not, you know, just killing yourself. And then you kind of build upon it every week and start timing yourself, beating, trying to beat your times. I think that really helps. Um, I'm a big believer in watching, uh, like there's so much volleyball on YouTube, pull up, you know, Carrie and April, pull up Carrie and Misty, pull up any of the FIVB players and watch and start learning the game at that level. Um, I think all those things help. And then obviously if you, if you invest some time in your mind, that's also very important. I think that's what really separates great players from everybody else is that they just have something special the it factor in their mind. Um, so those are all some things that I would really start focusing in on. And obviously setting up your schedule and knowing when you're going to be playing tournaments and making sure that you're training accordingly. So you're not, you know, just killing yourself out there and you have two weekends in a row that you're going out to play some beach tournaments where you're, you know, you have to kind of um, make sure that your practice practices are, are, um, tailored around when you need to be peaking and, and playing and stuff like that. So I think those things are probably really good things to start focusing in on just before they start playing. It's, it's interesting when you mention the idea of going out to tournaments, because I don't think, especially really new players, you know, and I, I know they probably all play at the indoor, but even the first time you go to an indoor tournament, it's not a explosive two-hour game. It's a endurance event. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. add the outdoors to an endurance event, and it really does, I think, sap a lot more energy. I think kids are prepared enough with what it takes to play outside all day, you know, in the mm-hmm. sun, just from the standpoint of getting sunburned, for goodness sakes, at least in Minnesota, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but... um. Again, thank you very much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Um, we will You're have, very welcome. Uh, yes, we will have a link to Eckerd College uh, on the landing page as well as to your uh, volleyball club. So let's That's have you last little bit because I know that um, uh, talk a little bit about your volleyball club because the big thing we're about is younger people. You know, I know that college mm-hmm. is important. Obviously, we want to get there. But so, what do you do with the optimal volleyball? So Optimum Volleyball is obviously here in St. Pete. Um, We have indoor and beach volleyball. Our beach volleyball uh, players range from little tots at like eight years old all the way up until we have a group of men professionals and women professionals who are playing on whether the AVP, the NVL, and some even on the FIVB tour that come and train here. Uh, We have coaches that come from Brazil uh, to train the players. Um, Priscilla is Brazilian. And so she has some great connections. So we bring that style of ball control and, you know, Brazil, you, you mentioned Brazil, everyone's known, everyone knows that Brazil is known for, for their, their beach volleyball. They're always consistently one of the best. And so, um, we have something for everyone, whether you're an indoor player, whether you're just a beach player, or you want to kind of try both. If you're a beginner uh, getting ready to go to college or a professional, we have both. And we've had uh, international players come train with the pros we have here and the coaches we have. We've had many, many um, players go on to play beach volleyball in college that have trained with us. 
and we also have people that are just beginning out. So we've got a lot of different really cool programs. We have uh, professionals that come and train for a week or two, kind of take like a volleyball destination uh, vacation where they come and train and get out of the cold for a little while. We just had some um, a couple women come down from the Connecticut area and train for the last week. So it's a pretty cool uh, setup, and we're just we're just starting to grow now because it takes some time to get a good reputation out there. But we definitely have some very high-level um, coaches, coaches that have coached Olympians in Brazil, and um, so it's a it's an awesome setup. I definitely think if 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 there are any adults that are interested or uh, even players that are playing in Minnesota that want to come down and set up training for a weekend with maybe their partner or a couple of people that want to come down a couple of teams, we could definitely set that up for them too. Cool. I have to admit though, um, the Brazilian Alessandro and Bruno, you know, I always, I still, I'll probably never remember the actual game, but saying their names cool like that <laughs> is uh, it's like, it's like, Alessandro, was it Al- no, Alessan, Alessan, it was Alessan, Alessan yeah, 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 and it, was, it was funny because um, I, I remember the, watching the game, and, and they always would say that, it was always so cool, but uh, there's the mystique of Brazilian players and all that kind of stuff, yeah, but, uh, they have the finesse and the power, so it's, they do, cool they game. do, and it's beautiful to watch, uh, anyways, uh, again, thank you for the time, and um, hopefully we'll try to get in the near future. Okay, thank you so much for having me.